Good morning, everyone. It's great to be worshiping together once again. I'm always very happy when I'm in the presence of God. It doesn't mean I'm not in His presence in my home. I am, but it's extra special here. Yeah, once again, my name is Basede, and we are on our New Testament series, the book of Brother James. Two weeks ago, Andrew gave us an introduction into the book of James. He reminded us that um, faith without work is dead, and uh, that a true religion that God requires of us involves looking after the vulnerable and showing our Christian faith in action through the things we do. Last week, Graham spoke to us from the book of um, James chapter 1. And he, the topic was listening and doing. He explored the theme of integrity, which explains the unity between what is going on inside us, whether it does match with our outward character. How many of you remember Wizwick? So I do. What you see is what you get. Today, I will be talking on Luke. I mean, I mean James chapter 3. Okay, why not chapter 2? Sarah has been very kind to let me take her place because I won't be around next week. So, yeah, we are now doing chapter 3 instead of chapter 2. Sarah will be delivering chapter 2. Oh, sorry, Fiona. <laughs> Fiona will be delivering chapter 2 next week. If I'm honest with you, this is not an easy topic. Before writing this or rewriting it again, I sat down and evaluate myself. I put myself on a scale and I begin to say, God, this scripture is just like Graham said last week. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't remember how you look like, doesn't make sense, does it? No, so I put myself on a spiritual mirror and begin to search myself from head to toe and said, are you worthy to deliver this sermon? In the end, I said, the grace, had made, the grace of God has qualified me. Amen. Hmm. James chapter 3 is an 18 verse, 18 verses chapter. But James spent 12 verses looking at what the tongue is. Just imagine someone spending time to analyze what the tongue is, the one of the smallest part of our body. And we are going to see the reason why. And he only spent five or six verses on godly, uh, I mean, heavenly and earthly wisdom. 
When we're writing this sermon, I wondered why James wrote this chapter. I sat down and I was thinking of what was going on in the church in those days. So within me, I wish James was here to answer that question for me, but I think I was able to reflect and think of the reason why he wrote this chapter about the tongue. I concluded maybe there were wrongdoing within the church or among members. Maybe there was gossip, malicious acts, and maybe this has actually wrought confusion and all kind of negative saying among believers. James chapter 3 is, is for me a, a great, a great um, chapter which every believer should read over and over again. It talks about the power the tongue portrays and how we use our tongue. He said, those who portray, I'm also going to touch on the heavenly, heavenly, heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom, but I am not going to dwell more, I mean too much on that. He said, those who portrays the heavenly wisdom shows their characters and doing by their good deeds, done humility and in kind words, but the earthly wisdom is that of bitterness, envy, selfish ambition, and all kind of negative traits. All these traits have great impact on the way we live our lives and use our tongues. Because our speeches, our actions, our thinking, all connects and shows in the way we react or behave to things. We often hear people say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that true? But thank God it has been revised, and it goes thus. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will break and hurt my heart or my spirit. This I agree to. I've heard so many teachers and parents speak angrily or negatively to their children or people, telling them they would never amount to anything. I've even seen husbands and wives, friends and families, bosses and employees speaking angrily and negatively at each other during the heat of argument and when they are frustrated. However, in the end, we all regret every negative word we speak during an argument. That is the power of the tongue. When one doesn't exercise self-control, 
The book of Proverbs is a book full of what the tongue does. It says, we should be careful with our words, especially when we are angry. When you are angry, just keep quiet. Because negative words are like bad seeds sown. And like egg, when cracked or broken, can never be gathered again. It only takes the grace of God for one to forgive or forget the bad things we've said or done. Also, the tongue burns and destroys like acid when used inappropriately. It can destroy things or relationship you've built for years. Just imagine you spent 20 years building a relationship or building, a, I mean, a character, and you just utter one word and it defiled all the things you've used years to build. However, if the tongue is being used positively, it is like spring water, refreshing in the desert. The Bible says in Titus 2 from verse 7 to 8, show yourself in all respect to be a model of good works and in your teaching, in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. As Christians and children of God, God wants our word to be seasoned with grace and love in order for us to be examples and his ambassador here on earth. So let's beware with what we say. Let's beware with the intent behind what we do. Let's beware with the way we select our words. Now let us look at what James says about the tongue and the power it possesses. James likened the tongue to both something good and evil. In verse 4, he said, the tongue is as small, I mean, as small as the tongue is, it is like a small rudder that steers a large ship driven by a strong wind wherever it goes. Yet, as small as the tongue is, it is very powerful and make great boast. So, I make, I, that's my first point. I said the tongue has the power to direct like the rudder, our words can either direct others to the, on the right path or on the wrong path in life. Proverbs 18, 18, 21 says, Beware of the idle words, the questionable stories, the half-truth, half-baked lies, and all those things we say negatively that goes against people. That is the power of the tongue. When writing this sermon, I went on Google and I searched for 
the percentage of people who have been wrongly accused through lies. In, um, I only search for America and the UK. And I found out that there were people who were wrongly convicted in their thousands. Not just hundreds, but in their thousands. Some died in prison, thank God. Some were exonerated. When the tongue is used wrongly, it imprisoned one and also put one to death. Most of the times we say, we never commit murder, but indirectly, when we use our tongue wrongly, we are committing murder. The book of Proverbs says we should be careful with our word, especially when Oh, am I going back? Sorry, guys. Five, six. All these things change the course of life and lead one to destruction. That is all the things I have said. On the other hand, if used appropriately, right word may help someone out of sin and destruction and show them the right path in life. Indeed, we need the grace of God and the help of God to control our tongue. Now, firstly, I said it, con it, it controls, it directs. Secondly, from verse 5 to 8, this proves that the tongue has the power to destroy. Firstly, we said it has the power to direct, like the rudder. And secondly, it has the power to destroy. In verse 5, James likened the tongue to a small spark that spreads and set the forest on fire. He said the tongue can become a world of evil among the part of the body, if not rightly used. In verse 7, he said, all kind of animal and reptile can be tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. He said, the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And he also said that, the tongue can set the forest on fire. Setting the forest on fire isn't a good thing. This illustration emphasizes the fact that although the tongue is a smaller member of the body, it can cause great destruction because the tongue says the thing that comes from the heart. This can be found in Matthew 12, 34. And also in Proverbs 12, verse 18, that says, Reckless words pierce like sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It likens good words to medicine that heals the spirit and soul. If you say kind words to people, 
the person feel liberated. The person feels energized. But if you speak negative words to people, the person feels broken. Now, what James is trying to say here is that our words are very powerful and can either build or cause havoc in people's lives. And apart from the redeeming grace of God, we only can do harm. Now, the tongue also has an other side to it as well. In verse 9 to 12, we have the illustration of the fountain of spring. It is impossible for a spring water to produce both fresh and salt water at the same time. So likewise, we cannot curse with our tongue and bless God at the same time. In the same nine verse, in the same verse nine to twelve, James said, "With our tongue we praise God and curse people that are made in the image and likeness of God. Out of the same tongue we sing praises to His name, gossip about people on the phone, or slander people behind their back when nobody sees us." He asked. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same time? No. And the answer is still no. Before we utter a word with our tongue, you should put yourself, let's put ourselves in the shoe of the other person. Remembering that the life of that person is precious just like you and me. And also... We should bear in mind that one day we will stand to give an account of our words and thoughts before God. Matthew 12, 36 to 37 says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Verse 37 says, for by your words you will be acquainted, and by your word you will be condemned. So, let us beware. Yet, there is another wonderful encouragement side to the tongue. The tongue is not all evil. We taste with the tongue. We laugh with our tongue or with our mouth. The Bible teaches that it is the breath by which we express our, deep, our deepest desires, in, instincts, and opinions that may produce helpful and pleasing fruits if we use our tongue rightly. We use it to edify others. We use it to correct others rightly and not wrongly. In the book of Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but a perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Therefore, in order to live a life required of us, 
by God. We need to sanctify our tongues and thoughts and our heart always in order to express God's dimension by putting off what is unholy for our tongue and putting on what is right in all we do, either when you speak or when you are silenced. This, if we decided to use our tongue rightly, it shows the Lord whom we serve, it shows maturity, and it shows godly living. We all know that it's not easy to live a blameless life, but we are all a work in progress, and we need God's help and wisdom to use our words wisely, as our words often reveal the states of our hearts and minds. The control of the tongue has both negative and positive aspect. Yeah, it involves the ability to restrain the tongue in silence. But it also means being able to control it in gracious speech when required. No one is perfect, but God will help us. Again, does this only apply to people in authority? Or does it only apply to teachers? Because when we first started with the scriptures, it says that teachers will be judged extra. No. It involves all of us. The way we use our tongue is not limited to anybody. Even it's not limited to adults. It's also, it, 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 it's also shared among children. The way we teach our children, what we say to our children, that also counts. Then how should we use our tongue? We should use our tongue to praise God. We should use our tongues to read the word of God and pray for others as well as ourselves. Also, we are to use our tongue to encourage others and promote justice by being a voice to the voiceless and empowering others positively, not staring up people against each other. We are to build, we are to build others and not fear and not tear them down. We are to emulate and model Christ to others, both inwardly and outwardly. Last week, Graham said, does our inward being matches with what we portray out? This is a great question. I held on to it last week. The tongue needs to be reformed, needs to be reshaped, needs to be rededicated in order to match our, our, our thoughts with our actions. We can only achieve this 
if we ask God to help us daily by praying and reading his word and rededicating ourselves and asking the Holy Spirit to take control. I'm not judging anyone, and that's the reason why I started with it's, it is a great topic. It is a mirror for every Christian to reflect in and look. And if we could read the word, I mean, the book of James and do as it says, our congregation will be a better one. Our home will be God's home. Our life will be a spring of God's well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know our tongue often gets ahead of our mind and heart. We are quick to speak and we are quick to judge. Lord, we repent of the many thoughtless things we have spoken. We are sorry for the words we have spoken in anger or in gossip. Please help us to see when we are about to speak without thinking and to check our hearts. Help us to be slow to speak. Help us, Lord, to be a people full of loving words, full of your spirit, overflowing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. <laughs>